Most of my shoes are a half size too big. Episode 4 of The Failure Show. I'm Ben Frank. And I'm Ida Knox. Yeah, another, uh, yeah, we're still, again, still here. Still here, still kicking. Four, four episodes in. Hi. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, been, been fun so far. It has been. It's been more fun than I thought it would be that first day where we were like, I I think it was because I got soup. When we were trying to, like, originally plan it, and I, like, ordered soup, we were at a restaurant, and then I, like, it's always disappointing if you order soup at a restaurant, so I was like, this is not going to work out, like... Is that just a rule of thumb for, for life, just never order soup at a restaurant? Well, I, like, when is the last time you went out to eat and you ordered soup? Like, I'm talking only soup and not in a bread bowl, and you weren't disappointed. I don't... I don't think I've ever gone out to a restaurant and only ordered soup. I would... I have to think it through, but I don't know if I've ever done that don't before. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, yeah, episode four, and we're still here. Yeah, um, yeah. I was uh, in 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 Beijing this week. That was that was interesting. Huh? Surprisingly, surprisingly clear skies for Beijing. Really, blue skies or just clear ones? Um, clear skies that were also blue. Okay. Uh, and and at night, I was actually able to see some stars. No. Yeah. That's like very, very rare for Beijing. More than one star? Yes, multiple. I miss stars. Plural stars. I miss stars a lot. China, you don't see a lot of stars. No, you don't. Well, I'm sorry. Shanghai, Beijing, you don't see a lot of stars. Yeah, uh, you you don't. So that was actually, I think I picked the one, maybe the one week where the air in Beijing is decent. Because during the winter, it tends to get worse because they're, you know, burning a bunch of coal for heating and all that stuff. So, So it tends to... The air tends to get pretty bad, but it was uh, it was all right. And it wasn't wasn't that wasn't that cold. I I, survi- I survived. I had a pretty I had a pretty average week. Like it was busy, but I feel like because um, we're in that like we're we're in the post Chinese New Year, everything has started back, and uh, I live like a very regimented life. That mm-hmm. sounds like it's a lot more strict than it is. Like I do a lot of the same shit every week. So mm-hmm. all of my regular things, like my Chinese class and like comedy stuff, had started back up. So this was like a full week of being a normal week. Yeah, and I and I don't think you you weren't quite ready for it to go back. I wasn't. No. <laughs> you kind of kind of gotten used to just being off. I from for like two weeks I had so much free time, and I really I really have realized like I don't have that much free time in a normal week. Like I do a lot of side projects. Um, yeah, especially since. Now you're doing this on top of comedy. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. Your I, have a, I have stuff. a full-time job. I have three regular freelance gigs. I take weekly Chinese classes, and I do improv and stand-up comedy. Yeah. So, so busy. You, yeah, you live a yeah very 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 lazy, boring life where you have nothing going on. I so. do. It's very lazy and boring. Um, just empty, void of void of interest or creative endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> Very, uh, um, no, but I, I got back to it this week, and then today, after a week of doing stuff, I kind of I kind of crashed. I didn't really do much for the first like full half of the day. I did laundry. Oh, you did laundry. Uh huh. Wow, that's always that's always the most interesting part of every weekend. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I say that with not not a small degree of sarcasm. I I think it like actually is. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe the more one of the more secretly productive things you can do over a weekend because i don't know you always like don't don't you always feel like your life has become a little bit more centered if you once you just look at a pile of clean clothes yeah and i i did that thing where you like you do laundry and then as you put it away you like clean out your closet kind of and Mm. you like try on old clothes and then you're like this doesn't fit and so i actually ended up throwing out like a big pile throwing out i like put them in the hallway and someone will steal them and like take them away not steal take this is digressed but but like I, I i like got some more space in my closet today as well so riveting stuff going on guys in, wow uh, in yeah Shanghai. yeah as you as you can see we um you know we we, we moved to china and we lead interesting lives and in are but, but yeah no we've got we've got a lot of cool stuff planned for this episode so um just get right into it let's uh let's go into uh fail or pass Woo. fail or pass Okay, so this is fail or pass, the part of the show where we 
debate uh, the principles involved in new stories that are controversial to some degree and where where Ida makes some no, in, impassionate, impassioned pleas on behalf of some cause. No, I promise I'm not going to do that. I made a specific goal this time because I listened to our last three episodes and I was like, holy shit. You yell a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to, I was like, find a news story that you, autom- that you aren't automatically trying to fail. <laughs> that was my goal for today. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough with this, um, with this format because we're, by nature, we're finding stories that are, that are controversial um, and that, and that inspire strong feelings one way or the other. So, but I, I appreciate you going out of your way to find something that's maybe out of your comfort zone. Um, but I wouldn't so, call it that. <laughs> um, so we're we're gonna we're gonna get started with failure pass, but uh, I'm gonna introduce um, our guest for today, uh, Logan Clements. She's gonna she's gonna join us. Um, Hi, Logan. Hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for joining. Yeah, we're gonna gonna have her join in on the on the debate. Yeah. Uh, on these stories before we uh, kind of get into the main segment where we're gonna learn a little bit more about. Her and her, her own personal yeah. story. So just jump straight into, hopefully Logan will also feel impassioned about something and I will not be the only person who yells at this microphone. I think that I, you know what, let's just start. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. <clears throat> My non-controversial story for the week is the maker of Durex condoms now also owns a baby formula brand. <laughs> the maker so just of, let that sink in the maker of Durex condoms which are like the ones yeah. you have to get in China like yeah they don't have Trojans they don't China. have Trojans no, in China no they definitely have the monopoly on the market here yeah, yeah. Durex condoms which is like if you're having sex well that in China, or um Jizbon or whatever that have you ever seen that you've seen, that, you've seen, that, you've seen those ones no I'm sorry yes. what is it Jizbon? it's called Jizbon you've, you've, you've seen these right I ton of people when I studied abroad here to like bring back as a joke as my gag gift from China I was like yeah and one maybe of it's jizz bone I don't know jizz, I always said jizz bond but the one of the like flavors is jeans like it's really like jizz bond jeans and then the packaging looks like jeans and I was like you can subtly put them in your pocket no one knows oh like, my god <laughs> this is the best thing that's ever happened to me um look no. at the next family mart yeah I'm sure it's right next family to mart or Lawson's or any can I can I just store. admit that like every time I go back to the states, I get like a large box of of condoms from like Target and import my condoms to China. Like because you just you just don't trust Chinese. Condoms. I I don't really like Dirk's condoms, which makes it sound like I'm biased in this story. But <laughs> yeah, I promise yeah, I thought you're picking an unbiased story. I promise I'm coming in on a very neutral note. I just think it's funny that the maker of Dirk's condoms owns a baby formula brand now so yeah their, like marketing strategy needs to accommodate for both of those and i guess the question is is there something kind of morally suspect about that and should all of china be worried about their condoms unless they mm. use jizz bond yeah, yeah. <laughs> think over this is a marketing plug for jizz bond yeah <laughs> Jizzbond condoms will be our first sponsors. <laughs> that would be play them this free ad spot and see if they yeah, we can we can we can reach out to them see if they're looking to uh, promote themselves and get themselves out to a wider audience of like five people. When Fine. did this just did this just get like announced? Did he just buy this, or this? is this like it's just become public knowledge that he's had stake in both games? Okay, <clears throat> so this was put out sixteen hours ago by the Huffington Post, which is you know the Huffington Post. Um, and because it's the Huffington Post, uh, it's light on news and like heavy on, uh, sourced tweets, yeah. <laughs> which is a little hard. Um, but it was a $16.6 billion deal. Um, and it was a natural extension, they quote, natural extension to RB's consumer health portfolio of power brands, which are already trusted by millions of mothers. <laughs> Reinforcing the importance of health and hygiene for their families. So I don't really know how like that ties into condoms because like mothers probably aren't. I don't know. Maybe once you have a child, you yeah. like really want your condoms to work. Yeah, I think it, I was like you could tie it into family planning. I guess. Yeah. 
if you want to see that, like, from that side versus saying it's, like, an either-or, like, if he's encouraging safe sex, he could not also be encouraging Yeah, I'm not, I, I mean, it's hard with HuffPost because the bottom below that says condom dresses and gives you, like, a, a slide-through Oh, there's just a dress, a dress made out of condoms? Yeah, dresses made out of multicolored condoms. Yeah, it's very, I don't know which one rainbow. of those is jeans-flavored, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably some. Um, I mean, for me, it just kind of seems... Like, uh, a little bit of, uh, I mean, just, it just seems like diversifying your, your business interests and in some ways almost hedging a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, wait, yeah. I mean, is that, that's kind of, is that, I think that's like vertical integration, just the different parts of the family planning stages. It's like, oh, like trying to prevent pregnancy and it's like, oh, now you've already had a baby. We have what your baby needs now. Like, oh, it's. Like, just, you're, you're there at every part of the process. I wish you guys could see him writing this on a whiteboard to bring us through <laughs> the vertical marketing strategy. No, I actually, I think I can kind of pass him. I mean, one thing, one reason it was brought to my attention is the internet, of course, went haywire on this, which is why the whole article is just, like, source tweets from 12-year-olds, but... I. <laughs> it's a good source. Yeah. Twelve year olds are like, this is this is bullshit. I'm not buying my condoms from Durex ever again. <laughs> I mean, because there's kind of there's like a little bit of a split in the tweets between people who like get it and they're like, ha ha, like this is smart marketing strategy, and people who are legitimately outraged and are like, Durex is trying to get me pregnant. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fine. I think it's like the internet had a negative reaction to it, but I'm, I'm on board. I see no reason why you shouldn't have a, uh, what's it? Vertical marketing. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if it technically is vertical integration. I, I just put, I put out that term. I think that's what it is. Let, let's, let's not use that through the rest of the <laughs> podcast to define what Durex's strategy is. Uh, it was just a thought off the top. Um, <laughs> Derek, you can also sponsor this podcast. <laughs> yes. That would be a that would be a pretty big name sponsor. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would Whoa, don't diss Jizzbon guys. They yeah. were in there first. <laughs> yeah, they yeah they were they were with us from the beginning <laughs> before we were big. Can we have two condom brands sponsor us at once? Um, no, but I, we have Durex's baby formula brand could sponsor uh, your podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel like that would appeal to our market. I feel like you. brands usually want some sort of exclusivity from similar brands, also yeah. having a. a marketing partnership well then they shouldn't branch out so much and have so many different (laughs) yeah i mean i'm yeah i don't i wouldn't say i'm i'm not morally opposed to it like if they think that they can do a successful baby formula business why not all right See, see how uncontroversial this was? Yeah, I I will pass them on this. Like, I cannot explain to you how many headlines I read that made me angry before I found one that was, like, okay for us to talk about today that I would not (laughs) yell about. (laughs) It was a lot. It was a lot of them. So, all right. What you got? Can I get mad about yours? Um... We'll we'll see. Uh, yeah, I just I just read this today. So okay. this uh, this story comes from uh, from Italy, from the All region right. of Reggio Calabria, which is on the toe of the boot, right near Sicily. Sure. Context. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, apparently, for years, uh, there's been this campaign spearheaded by this magistrate named uh, Roberto Di Bella. I like your what, accent. Well, I. I could have overdone it a little more. I tried to I tried to be tasteful, but somewhat accurate. Anyways, I don't know Italian. Just gonna say the name. Yeah, I could go Roberto Di Bella. I, okay. You could, and you did. I, well, you, if you. I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't commented on how I said the name the first time. At least you didn't do the hand motions. Right. I was actually doing the hand motion under the table. You couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't, you couldn't see it. All right, all right. What did you do? I'm okay. so sorry. No, he as a as a magistrate, a legal official in that part of Italy over. I'm cultured, son. I knew that. Okay, I'm just <laughs> saying that's not what's called everywhere. That's true. Um, all right, noted. Since 2012, he has spearheaded a campaign where he has basically. This is gonna sound bad before I get through the rest yep. of it. Yeah, I'll um, hold my tongue. He has basically taken away children from the families where parents have been convicted of con- convicted of mob affiliation and then place them in other parts of Italy like either with either if their moms have also fled they will go with their mom to some other part of Italy or he's placed them in foster homes to get them out of kind of that mob cycle and the mob life oh and 
this has had good... Re- it's been very controversial, because mm. obviously, it, like a lot of places, family is very important in Italy, so a lot of people think that this is uh, kind of ridiculous, and that these are kind of... This, some people have almost called these Nazi-like methods. Um, good, let's throw that word in there. Well, I, I, I'm just quoting the, the article. Um, <laughs> yeah, and people have just... It, it's been effective, though, in, te- in the sense that you know, obviously these kids grow up in an environment of crime, so they're more likely to engage in uh, in a life of crime in these families. And I guess since all these 40-plus boys and girls have been moved to other places, none of them have committed crimes since this has happened. So it's been effective to the point where they're now looking at ways to increase this way of doing things to other parts of Italy <laughs> and, like, implementing it nationwide. So I guess That's forty plus from one area. Yeah, it's like a region of, of Italy. Of mobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I guess uh, what are your feelings I'm on this? Pass to Logan first, because wow, yeah, I it's it's an interesting topic, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess it would be. If I was in the shoes of the kid, I would see it as very unfair. But I can also understand as like an outsider where you would think removing the child from the family would um, kind of improve his lifestyle. But I'd be curious, of, I guess, how long has he been doing this for? And they say since 2012. Okay. So, so it's been like for close a couple to, years. Close to, five, close to five years. What yeah. are the ages of the kids? Because if you take a bunch of like five-year-olds move them away and say that like by the time they're nine they haven't committed violent crimes i'm not all um, that impressed it says 40 boys and girls ages 12 to 16 oh, okay yeah i see like i'm impressionable but i don't know if, as a kid if i would then just be angry and it would just motivate me to move back when i was 18 and more loyalty to, you know having like someone to hate so you get to hate the government it just gives you more incentive to not want to fall in line with the government if they're doing this yeah um i like the idea if it's the if it's you know, the family, like the mom wants to leave and needs assistance, mm-hmm. um, where that's where you kind of step in to help. Um, but I've, I've, yeah, it's definitely not rubbing me the right way if you're just taking the kids out of the situation. Mm. I wonder, my, my question, I guess, would echo that. I think if it's done for the sake of the kids and, like, it really is, like, thought out and they're putting them with, like, good families and stuff like that, it's really good. But, like, I feel like if it's done as, like, a threatening measure of, like, if you get involved with the mob, we'll take your kids away, then that's not really, like, kids' best interest. Huh. Yeah, it, it's interesting because from, from reading this article, at least, it seems... I mean, obviously, you can cherry pick opinions from anywhere and put them in an article. So it's Twitter, like, for yeah. Example. So it's it's hard to get a full view, but it does seem like quite a few of the children and even some of the convicted mob parents have agreed with this measure that mm-hmm. they that they even know this is better for their children because they're like, ah, I'm away and I've been convicted of this crime. Like I can't raise them anyway. And, yeah. and, like, they're probably better off um, and will have a better life for themselves somewhere somewhere else. And I guess some of the kids have felt like they've been, they've kind of been freed of this association that they had and they've just been able to kind of live life as themselves. Yeah. I guess, like, just so long as they're keeping good tabs on where they're sticking these kids. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like you have to have a lot of follow-through if you're changing, like, altering and taking responsibility for the lives of 40 kids. Like, you got to kind of follow through on that and be like, are they with decent parents now? Like, are those parents ex? Like, Yeah. Well, and the guy's in a tough situation because I feel like you have to commit to this program for a certain amount of time to really see the mm-hmm. payback, you know. Yeah. What you can gain out of it, like, talking to these kids when they're 30 and saying, did that make a difference? And comparing them to maybe kids you didn't take away from mob parents and see how they kind of ended up. Yeah. Um, Could you say so that maybe, like, like, if we viewed it on a vertical scale of integration? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> to, to try to combine two completely unrelated stories together. Ah, good luck editing this one. Yeah. So, I, I guess, in short, if we're looking at this from the perspective of what this... Guy, this magistrate is doing. Would you pass or fail him? Do you think it's um, good or bad? I give him a pass. I think I think that even if it's done with um, like not perfect intention, if it has solid results, I think I think I pass him. I'd also give him a pass. I think you gotta see how it turns out in a couple more years, and I think it comes from a place where he means well. Um, 
Yeah. And would only give them a fail if there were kind of stats to come up that, you know, it's he's well-intentioned, but the people who are implementing it aren't. And yeah. So or if a he's a dick, then we fail him. Yeah, but, fail him. Mm. Yeah. But I'm sorry. I just want everybody who's listened to all four episodes to know this is the first time I've ever passed... Anyone on anything. Anyone on anything. Yeah. Um, I'm, <laughs> That's I'm, true. I was going to say both stories, but Ben is definitely right. Anyone yeah. on anything. Um, yeah, I'm going to pass him as well because I, I think there are, there are points to be made both ways, but to me it sounds like he's still doing more good than bad, and given yeah. that they want to... Um, implement this in other parts of Italy. I think other people probably see it that, yeah. see it that way as well. Ben, what was his name? Could you... <laughs> Roberto Di Bella. <laughs> Great. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. Thanks. That was uh, fail or pass. Um, all right. So we're, we're going to move on to the the next part uh, of the show here, the main segment, where we're going to talk with, uh, with, with Logan Clements here more about her and, and her personal life story. I guess how she ended up in China, uh, what what she was doing before, you know, what what she's doing now, kind of filling all the in, things she's failed at, filling in the dots, and oh, yeah. some <laughs> obstacles, some failures. As I, Ida will be reminding, will be reminding her. I tried to explain to, um, so like I, I was explaining to someone this show, and Ben always does a really good job of being like, you know, like we we get to know people's failures and like how it's like silver linings and and how things have like influenced and led to. And I was like, I don't know, everybody's fucked up, so it seemed like a show we could get a lot of episodes out of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little more direct and uh, and honest. Yeah, and uh, full disclosure, Logan and I went to college together. We did. Yes. Yeah, we did. Uh, you at just at the, for people who don't know you intimately. Um, for people who are who are those people who are listening? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, at the University of Virginia. Yeah. Wahoo! And I, oh, I yeah. just pointed. She's wearing a, a, a UVA sweater at the moment. I am from 1970. Oh, unfortunately, not really? wearing that. Yeah. That sweater is actually it's, from 1970. It's my friend Ethan Nyberg's mom's sweater, and the first year of college, I took it from him, and he was like, you can't keep that. It's like a keepsake. It was my mom's when she went here, and seven years later, I'm wearing it in Shanghai. Funny story. I also know Ethan Nyberg. Yeah. Whoa. UVA is very small. No. <laughs> no. Wow. Yeah. Ethan Nyberg's <laughs> listening to this. Good for him. Whoa. You know two people on a podcast. That's when he made it. That's when he made it. Yeah, um, that, that sweater though it does uh, it does kind of look like it's from the seventies because I could see someone wearing it in a lot of eighties movies. Yes, with like, like just, mom jeans on. Yeah, because it's 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 loose like the collar like is like hanging down a little bit. It's not like yeah, tight means, around the neck. I look beautiful right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, that was trying to say. Yeah, that that was that was exactly. <laughs> The, the translation all right, of all Logan, that. Why Anyways, don't you tell us about Yeah, yeah, Logan, well, how, how, uh, I guess, how, um, how, how long have you been living in China? Uh, in China, I've been now almost three years. Okay. Um, yeah, cool. and started out with only planning to be here for one year, feel which like I feel it, like is a standard expat story, in, yes. especially in Shanghai. Um, and yeah, one year turned into two, which now is almost three, and no end in sight yet, so. All right, great. So what, uh, what was the the original impetus to, to get you out here? Well, Ida and I both studied Chinese at UVA, and um, I had the language ability and knew if I stayed in the U.S., whether I was in New York or D.C. or anywhere, um, I would never use my Chinese because I was too nervous uh, to try and whip it out anywhere, so I figured I might as well force myself to go to China, see if I can use it there as well as explore, and then I can always go back to America. Um, so that Fun was kind fact, of push. Logan and I were the two worst Chinese students, I think, to ever go through that program. Oh, yes. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, um, 100% we were. Yeah. I was the first athlete to pass 101, so they just like had no idea oh, what really? to do after that. What, what sports did you play in? I threw the javelin and the hammer, so I was on the track and field team. Oh, so the nice. two lesser known throwing events. Yeah, um, so she had like a reason. She was really busy. I was just bad at Chinese. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, busy and bad. I would say we're probably <laughs> both. Um, but, but now we both kind of have good Chinese. Three years into yeah. yeah, yours is a lot more, a lot better than mine. But I still will forever remember, like telling my teacher fourth year that I was going to move to China, and she was like, "Are you, sh- are, are you sure? Do you, you really want to do this?" <laughs> I was like, "Great enthusiasm! Like you've been encouraging everyone in this class to like go out into the world and use their Chinese, and you have a student here telling you they're doing it, and they're like, 
we meant everyone but you, like <laughs> everyone else. Like so. <laughs> so, but I mean, that must have been a challenge. Obviously, UVA is a is a really good school, so to be a full time athlete, you know, a student athlete yeah. while going to UVA, like like how how was that balancing classes and being and being a student athlete? Yeah, it was it was it was fun. I will I will say my dad likes the joke that I learned how to read good. At UVA, there's always a lot of stigma against athletes that at smart universities, you got in because you can kick stuff, throw stuff, pick things up and put them down. So Mm -hmm. um, that was, yeah, it was definitely like challenging. UVA is an institution where I feel like a lot of people are doing a lot of activities, so you didn't feel kind of out of place. But Mm -hmm. for the Chinese department, yeah, they'd never had an athlete pass 101. And, you know, in China, the whole uh, class method, there's not really any leeway with missing classes or... Um, they're very upfront with you of saying, no, that does not work. We're going to fail you for the semester if you miss more than four classes um, and things like that. So I definitely, my first semester, I had to meet with uh, the head of our department, the Chinese department, to beg her to let me stay in the second semester of Chinese because I was going to miss five classes for traveling for competition, but I wouldn't call in sick or miss any other days, but it'd be more than the four. And so she told me, we can't do that. Come back next spring. And I was like, well, next spring I will also be in season and I will yeah. probably miss even more because I'll, I'll be better and traveling more. Mm. Um, so that was definitely like a fight that um, both the Chinese department, also the athletic department didn't have any relations with them. So they just, um, they didn't really have too much support. So that was one that I realized that a lot of athletes, they say are too dumb to take certain majors. You'll see them all in like a history major, an economics major maybe, um, but not so many doing pre-med or things like that. And I realized it's not so much that they aren't smart enough to do them, but that those programs aren't flexible with the athlete's schedule, which is kind of unfortunate. But Yeah, because I, I mean, I wasn't an athlete in college, but it, it does kind of seem from what I've heard that you get pushed towards certain classes and certain majors that um, maybe kind of jive more with the lifestyle or schedule of a student athlete and that yeah. just won't inconvenience your coaches if you have that major yeah both and yeah and you'll have professors I mean I had professors who I said I'd have to miss and they said okay tough luck figure out how to make up on your own time and then Mm -hmm. I had some professors who were happy to you know partner you up with a TA or someone or say come to my office hours I'll catch you up on what you missed so um yeah there were definitely easier venues to to navigate college and get a degree without you know trying to Okay. do too much <laughs> so so despite the so you were kind of having to deal with uh, you know going through a lot of different classes including Chinese while while juggling you know this other big thing in your life being an athlete um, but and it, and it appears that Ida was not in a position to help you with your Chinese at all at that, all right. that time all right to be fair according to, according to your to own be account fair, not at all could not have helped no. anyone with their Ida and I were like point. buddies in the back in the back of the class I was actually really jealous um, our you had to take five years of Chinese which was another like tough thing in, a mm. four, in four years you had to take five years of Chinese so you had to take a summer program Logan and I both studied abroad in Shanghai different summers but you had to at some point take an entire extra year of Chinese within those four years, which is not exactly undemanding, not yeah. demanding. Um, and and yeah, it was tough. I actually, my first this is this is a personal failure within Chinese. My first semester, I had a huge crush on a boy in my Chinese class, which is like why I stuck it out. I think for that one-on-one class. But then, like, at the end of my 101 class, my teacher, in a very similar, very direct way, pulled me aside and was like, I see that you signed up for 102, second semester. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, are you sure you want to do that? You're not very good at Chinese. And I was like, yes. And, and I say it now, like, I tell, I tell people the story now, and I'm always like, and I was, like, kicking ass. I, I wasn't scared at all. I was like, I had a huge crush on a boy who was going to be in that block of 102. And I was like, one day we might get married. I have to take one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a logical like, thing to do. Like, yeah. how, like, what if I have to tell my future kids, like, you don't exist because, like, I copped out of a second semester of Chinese. It didn't get better until, I would say, my second year in China. <laughs> oh. um, I, like, applied for study abroad after my first year. And she, it's, it's a, it was a language immersion program. And she was like, I don't think you're ready for that. Hmm. I was the only person, I think, that's ever been denied... <laughs> that program. I went the next year. I mean, eventually I stuck it out. My Chinese is very fluent now and I use it for work. I'm like officially a translator in China. Yeah. Yeah. Just hot shit. (laughs) Not hot shit, but like 
my Chinese is good now. It w- I was in no position to help Logan for those yeah. four years. Yeah. Chinese yeah. was not the easy route to go by any means. Yeah. But, I mean, you ultimately you ended up sticking it out um, despite the fact that it was not easy to do with your schedule. And it ultimately ended with you. Did you come here right after graduation? Yep. Graduated in May and moved here in June. So All right. um, wanted to just kind of do it while I could still convince myself <laughs> to do to just go do it. And then um, figured the biggest part of that is pride of making the move. And um, as long as I could pick up my pride and go back to the U.S. if it failed, then um, that was kind of going to be the biggest stumbling block. So I had to try it. I was I said when I was thinking about it, I was, uh, I'd applied to grad school programs. Also, I was going to run, do like study abroad uh, management. I wanted to work with international students in the U.S. and mm-hmm. met a bunch of my future classmates at some of the programs I got into and they all had lived abroad and had great stories and I was going to be the token kid right from undergrad to grad school with zero work experience outside of the U.S. or really zero full-time work experience to pull from. So mm. um, I wondered, I just said I need to go, or if I don't go, I'll always wonder what if. My yeah. my alter ego that is working in the U.S. for three years post-grad has never lived abroad, like would always wonder what if I had gone abroad. So figured when we were young and unattached to anything to kind of pick up and just do it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally agree because a lot of but people you kind of yeah you you just have that thought well if i don't if i don't at least try it i'll i might regret it for the rest of my life so i should at least give it a shot and if it doesn't work out then i go in another direction but at least i at least i attempted it yeah and i figured too with like employers i was like you can always spin it in a way that like you know you're passionate about something you tried it it didn't work that's why you're back here yeah okay i'm I'm cheating a little bit because i know part of this story but um (laughs) How successful was that first year, that first, like, six months to a year in China? Oh, it was... <laughs> I know, it was a joy. I know it's a leading question. It's a pointed question. You're, pointed you're, leading, question. you're leading the witness. I'm yeah. leading the witness, I know, but but how, how, did, how did it go once you got here? Yeah, I, looking back on it, I say it went well. Uh-huh. It went... Um, so when I first... I moved here with an internship from for a startup that was going to be sports tourism, so... Um, before graduation, I've been grappling with, I want to use my Chinese, but I love sports and how do those intersect? And I could find zero connections of how they intersected. And then this internship came available. So I moved and was making like 2,500 RMB a month, which is like less than $400 a month, um, at a startup that was under a startup. And within two months of being there, I came in one day and they're like, all right, so we're going to actually pivot and we're going to do shopping lists for Chinese people who want to shop abroad in the U.S. And I was like, oh, no, because I was like, I was here for the sports. I also had spent like a whole week inputting every major sports event into an Excel spreadsheet that was now irrelevant. Like literally every NBA game I typed in this team versus this team at this time. I was like, oh, doesn't matter anymore. Um, I'm also, Ida knows me, so I'm not an avid shopper at all. Mm. I'm pretty boring on the fashion side. So having, asking me to write where the 10 best places to find you know, artsy clothes in Soho is not really up my alley. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so we, they just went in a completely new business direction. Yep. Completely pivoted. So, wow. um, yeah. So it had been a sports tourism of helping Chinese tourists go to the U.S. and like watch, have VIP sporting event experiences. And now it turned to shopping. Um, so Which is, again, a, a business that it has certainly a big demand for that. Yeah, there's, so the demand was there. And, that, you know, I worked under some really passionate entrepreneurs who were very good at, like, selling you on the idea. But just from a, you know, core kind of motivation, I wasn't in it as much. So that was definitely, from the work perspective, was tough. And then just learning how to live outside of college was also fun. I was, like, saying as an athlete, I was used to um, having, like, set workout times and mm. my meals or something. You have dining halls that you can go and grab food. Now you're, like, cooking. You're living in China, yeah. going through all the discomforts of being a recent grad while most of your friends are in D.C., New York with other UVA people to commiserate with. And I couldn't find another 22-year-old anywhere. Yeah. Um, I made friends with a couple interns who all left at the end of the summer, which then was a little stressful. Then, then when they left and having to grapple with, you know, the Shanghai theme where everyone eventually leaves, whether it's after a year or two years. And I was convinced that I'd never make more friends ever again. Yeah. Um, and it's, but I think we remember this year of your life very differently because you were like living 
I don't know, like basically a slum life in Shanghai, like scraping by. And I remember I visited you in Shanghai that year one time, and I was living in、uh, in like bumfuck nowhere, China. And I thought that you just had the coolest life in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I just I remember I, I came. It's kind of like what we were talking about with 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 Turner about how like if you're not living in Shanghai, if you're living in a smaller city, you just think everyone in Shanghai is doing way better yeah, than you. Yeah, just like, automatically. Oh yeah. We went to.、Uh, I I remember it like super vividly because Logan is a big reason that I ultimately moved to Shanghai. But、um, like this year, where you were thinking of it as like I'm racking up credit card debt and like dying, and I came and we went and got like mac and cheese somewhere on Yongkong. Yep. Which is. The, the rooster, shout out, also、now. owned by a UVA alum. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, now defunct Bar Street of Shanghai. And, and you like knew、mm. the guy who owned the bar. There was mac and cheese, and I and you like had an apartment that、yeah. you had like found. Like maybe it was like a shitty Shanghai apartment. I just remember thinking that I was like, oh my god, like Logan has the coolest <laughs> life.、Uh, I'm glad it looked like that from the outside. It was <laughs> definitely a struggle of like, you know, like I'll pick up odd jobs. Yeah, my roommate, my roommate situation was all. From like smart Shanghai, so I had it was like a Chinese American couple who I never saw, and then like my French roommate who got hit by a car and was like bedridden for a month. But it was like one where we're like not、oh、friends,、God. but like you're a lot, you like coexist. So it was one where I was like, I don't know what's going on over there, but something happened. I don't know why, but this the visual I'm picturing now is just like a Shanghai version of the house from. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like 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 the old one with Gene Wilder, just like the、yeah. like just like the grandpa's like coughing up a lung. Everyone's like on hard beds. It's just so depressing. Like like this is the visual I'm getting. Like a bedridden French person that's got one of those beds where their arms are like outstretched and like their heel is like pointed in the、oh、air. But like looking at, looking back on it, I also feel like it must have been like that. But when I visited, I legitimately was like, Logan obviously like took a shower today. I was a very low standard, like very low bar to impress you. Holy shit! Like you, I do remember you getting so excited about mac and cheese, and I was like, yes, this is what Shanghai has to offer. <laughs> mac and cheese. That might have been why I moved here. No kidding. I, Shout I, out to Rooster. I remember trying to sell you on it really hard. I was、yeah. like, we have things like mac and cheese. <laughs> You're like sold. I'm moving. <laughs> And apartments、uh, with showers. I、so. wish I wish that wasn't like so true, but I think I think it is.、Um, well, okay. So full disclosure to our listeners: two almost three years after that, Logan's kind of killing it in Shanghai now. Still,、It's, yeah,、uh, yeah killing it. Being you're so flattery. Oh、yeah. gosh, I don't know, killing it, but definitely in a different place than I think two years ago. Me would have foreseen our future. So I yeah, just yeah. What was the turning point? I guess from getting from there to where you are now. Yeah.、Um, well, so that startup ended up. The shopping happened, but my boss did see that I needed a sports outlet. So we ended up landing the NFL in China. Their like Chinese social media account and. Uh, the company was run by a lot of、uh, Europeans and British people who knew no football, but football, not American football. <laughs>、yeah. So they kind of like looked around. They're like, "Anybody know American football?" And I was the first to raise my hand.、Um, so I got to work on that account while also doing the shopping startup and、um, worked with NFL China on the Chinese side. Then ended up leaving that company to go work at another、uh, English agency、um, mm. to do NFL China's like PR and social media on the English side,、oh, um, cool. and then from there worked with a bunch of different other companies doing、uh, social media and like digital marketing, and then finally got to the point where I kind of wanted to try doing it on my own. I saw a lot of like other opportunities that were coming in from outside of my full time job. So、mm. in August, I decided I was leaving. I finished up at my old job at end of September and officially launched Logan Strategy Group. So this was just this past this year. This past year. So, so this is like five or six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Five or six. That sounds so like Ooh, legitimate now. Five or six months. Yeah. Did not have had a baby in that time. <laughs> no. You're like、yeah. it's not that impressive. I'm in the second trimester with my、yeah. with my company, not a baby, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, beginning of October, I launched. It was officially born in the U.S. on like October twenty fifth is like、Ooh. the the birthday of my company.、Um, nice. But yeah, so now I am my own. I'm an entrepreneur. Which yeah, two、are. years ago I think I would have laughed if you were like, "You're going to go work for yourself." I'm like, "No, I wouldn't. <laughs> That's silly." So、um, yeah, doing digital marketing and like writing a lot, doing some social media work.、Um, still getting to do it all in sports, which has kind of been really cool to see how I felt like my Love of sports kind of was diverging away from what I was getting paid to do, and now they're kind of 
converging again, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, for me, like I have always been a big sportsman, and I had studied Chinese, so I was always kind of looking for a way to bring uh, both China and sports together in what what I do. Um, you know, and for finding a job at, at the NBA for me it was just like, oh, now I get to. Like it's like I never even knew that that sort of job existed, or yeah. it's kind of the like the perfect combination. And it sounds like you've found something something similar that combines those two passions for yeah. you. Yeah, nowhere near as official as working for the actual NBA, but <laughs> well, um, I mean, your your clients are large. They are, yeah. League, so that's pretty official. Yeah, I'm odd one out here. I'm gonna sit silently while they talk about sports. They look so happy, guys. <laughs> Don't get me on the, on, the, on the sports train. I'll go on, like, a far tangent. Um, but, yeah, no, it's definitely – and, like, the sports industry in China right now is a super exciting place to be, and especially with the Olympics are going to be in Asia for the next uh, at least, like, five years now. So next year, 2018 yep. is in South Korea. So, um, yeah, 2022 a, in, 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 in Beijing, Beijing. yeah, and 2020 yeah. in Tokyo. So yep. if – I knew all of those facts. Yeah. <laughs> so if you like anything about sports, it's pretty. It's a pretty fun place to be right now. Yeah. Um, so it just kind of makes sense. But the company's made. It's only in America right now, and still figuring out, going through the lovely jargon of trying to set up a company, possibly in Hong Kong or China. But I'm taking it one step at a time because I'm one person, and I feel like one person running one company already sounds like a lot. Let alone one person trying to run three companies yeah. or two. Um, so you're so you're currently incorporated in the US, but obviously you're you're based here. Yeah. Um, does that I, I mean obviously like does that create complications day to day in doing business or, or just how does how does that work as a one person company that's uh, incorporated somewhere where you're not living? Yeah. Um, it's actually pretty easy. A lot of my clients that I'm either going after have understand that I'm on China time or they have interest here in China. So it makes sense for me to be on the ground. And that's kind of my competitive advantage for my company is that I have local cl- contacts and I'm not someone who lives in America and is claiming they can take you to China, mm. but I'm just outsourcing my knowledge. It's mine's coming from first person. You know, I see this person every other day. We're going to do an event with them because I trust them and I work with them. It's very Chinese, I know, of like, we have good guanxi, so therefore yeah, I'm going to... but no, but like gonna, if you're in China, then guanxi is... Yeah. yeah, understand. You got to know, know people here. Exactly. I mean, you got to know people everywhere, but especially in China, yeah. knowing the right people is super important. Yeah. Well, grappling though with, I, I have one mentor that I was like talking to about. And she's like, you know, the minute you decide to open a company, you signed on to be in China for another like five to ten years, which to be honest, like scares the shit out of me because I don't want to be here for. <laughs> my lungs don't want to be here for five to ten years. My brain does, but like yeah. I think my body will hate me if I stay that long. Um, but she was just saying, if you you know fully commit to something, it does take a little while for it to. To grow, um, so that was when I've set it up in the U.S. with the idea that I would, can do it remotely anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see in the next like two or three years how we expand. Because right now my knowledge is very fo- China focused, but it'd be awesome to take this kind of concept of digital marketing, but also with an events mindset. Um, yeah, take it anywhere in the world. I just right now it's because China, because I speak Chinese and have been here. So I have, I have a point. question for you. I'm gonna. Like, no, I, oh, I was about to say throw you under the bus. That is not what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gripping my chair. <laughs> Put you on the spot is what I was going to say. Those are very different things. <laughs> I know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm going to Made me nervous for a second. I was like, what do you know too much? <laughs> so, so one of the things that we, like, kind of talk about, obviously, is failure on the failure show. And I'm curious now that you're like going into this. I the reason I say put you on the spot is because I have not asked you this outside of the context gotcha. of being on this podcast yet. Um, but what is your attitude towards like starting um, starting a company? I mean, I feel like that's the kind of thing where failure needs to be something that you're kind of like, okay, like I might fail at X venture or the whole thing, like. Um, a lot of startups struggle. I work for one. I like live that every day. Um, but like, how does it feel? Like, what is your attitude towards that right now? Like, how do you handle the inevitability of at least some level of failure when you start out? Yeah, it's definitely scary. I think everyone who, when I was first telling people that I was leaving and I wasn't leaving for another job, I was leaving for, to work for myself. Um, I, the way I described it was that I'm excited and terrified, which I think is a good combination because I was passionate about it, but also a little bit wary of certain pitfalls that I'd seen other entrepreneurs kind of fall into. And um, I do think that your first year is tough, but also really important to like set everything up right so you can grow. 
Um, I struggle with it on a daily basis, probably the fear of, of failure for everything from like failing myself to like failing financially or like to your peers of saying I tried something. Um, but then also anything like worth getting, if you're not willing to like go for it, I feel like then at the end, the end result wouldn't be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my contingency plan is if should, the idea is if the business is doing really well, that's great. If I hit a stopping point where it's not growing or I end up deciding to change my mind, I want to go with a different career, then maybe that's when the time to go to business school. Or, that's when you, you know, pivot to yeah. doing a shopping network. Yeah, yeah. I turn into my own like shopping expert and start like dressing celebrities. That'll be the normal pivot for me. Yeah, um, yeah. dressing them in uh, color condom dresses. Yes, uh, oh, God. obviously. Full circle. Obviously. Yeah. As a callback kid. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I, I mean, definitely, even like yesterday, the past, two days ago, I had like an internal breakdown because when you don't have coworkers, you don't have people to like bounce ideas off of. So it's a lot of internal monologues happen, which was like 30 minutes of me berating myself for what a horrible mistake my entire company was and why would I be doing this? And I had to like stop myself, but at some point I realized I do not need to let those like emotions ride out and just listen. And I called my dad to tell him about it. He's like, who is this person who said all these things to you? And I was like, oh, I said them to myself in my head. And he's like, you shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, well, again, it was like, you have moments of panic, but then there's a lot of moments of clarity where I get really excited about it. So luckily those outweigh the panic moments. So Yeah, so so as someone who's running their own company and you're the only employee at, at the moment, do you kind of fall back on friends or family for feedback or, you know, to bounce things off of? Like, how do you do that? Because that, that, that's a big challenge if you don't have anybody to give you feedback on a regular basis. Yeah. So my dad owns his own business, like a financial, uh, like mortgage consulting company. So I've bounced some of my starting the company struggles off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I aspire to do. I want to put together like a group of friends or advisors that I could kind of get together for some big decisions. So I feel a little bit better about running it by a couple people. I blanketly um, offered to work for her the other day, but it was right in front of my boss. I was like, <laughs> it was really bad. That was really, really bad timing on it your was, part. It was really awkward. I was, I was, I really like my boss, just full disclosure, she listens sometimes to this podcast, uh, Lindsay, you're great. But uh, I was, we were in our office and Logan was there and uh, she was talking about having started this company and about how like one day she might want to hire somebody. And I was like, oh, do you want to hire me? My boss was like, you work for me full time. Like, what? What? (laughs) It was like awkward silence. And I was like, oh, like, ha ha. We can talk about this later. Just kidding. Um, Yeah, no, I love my job. Um, Just reiterating that really quick. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Again, I also, yeah, having a good support network of friends Mm. who have been very, you know, nice listening through my highs and my lows so far. Um, and I also, I think I did the business, I say I did it backwards, but the more I've thought about, there's no right way to do the business where I had clients before I went out on my own, mm-hmm. um, where I'd kind of put feelers out and kind of knew I had steady, some income coming from people. So then I had the clients and I was kind of going from backwards in the sense of then having to set up the company while still doing client work versus mm-hmm. some startups I worked for that they develop a product and then they figure out how to market it and then they get clients. Yeah. Um, so I felt like I did it backwards, but from a sustainable, like, being able to pay my bills every month, I think I did it the right way. It just felt See, I, I see off. us in, like, three years looking back on this and being like, oh, like, remember that, like, rough year of my, like, when I started my company and I'll be like, when I thought you were the coolest person ever, like, you had, you had clients, like, you, you, like, owned things. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It'll be like the flip of it was mac and cheese that was cool and now it's like, oh, Full like, disclosure, in the, in the state of Pennsylvania, you only need $135 to own a company, so. Really? Wow. Yeah. I have a, Is I have that how much money you started with? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I had to pay for my bank account that I opened in the U.S. for the company. I had to pay in quarters because you have to put a $50 deposit down on only in cash or check. And who of our generation carries checks with them when they go anywhere? So I was like, I don't. I have 220 And the, can I give you quarters? And the woman just like looked at me. I was like, I would look back on this day and laugh. Like, <laughs> like counting them out for her. And I got the receipt. So I was like, I'm saving the receipt to be cheesy. But it, no, yeah, it officially crazy. started with with some quarters and a couple 20s. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I found the word for it, though. It's called bootstrapping, if you want to if you wanna feel official. That's my form of... Uh, investment that I don't have any fancy investors or like a trust fund that I'm using to fund my business. I'm bootstrapping. I'm pulling myself up by my bootstraps by your own to make bootstraps. it. Can we, can we just clarify really quickly? I know what bootstrapping means. What are bootstraps? Like I get that they're like somehow, is that like the little piece on the back of a boot that you like get your shoe onto your foot with? Like how, what is Probably. a bootstrap? Let's go with that. 
I that sounds right to that me. That sounds right. Okay. That would make sense what that tab's for. I've never known apart from pulling your shoe on. Right. I, I just like yeah. Just and it sounds like yeah. you could pull yourself up by that. I will. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what the what the phrase means. Right. Like, I guess I, I normalize of like yeah. I put my own shoes. No one ties them for me. So oh, that's fair. I'm doing yeah. good. I yeah. get slip-ons for that reason. Yeah. Or like Velcro shoes. See. No, I'm, I'm glad I didn't shoes. get us off on a tangent. No, you, you never, you never do <laughs> that. I would never Not do that. I'm really, I really think I'm the driving key force that uh, that keeps this podcast <laughs> on track and focused. Yes, exactly. Hey, your aunt said that she liked me on this podcast, so yeah. That's really all I needed was positive feedback from one person to decide that I was never going to change. Who is yeah. related by blood to the people on the podcast yeah so not so not 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 biased at all <laughs> yeah 100 percent. about about anything related to Definitely related to the podcast her for that comment on <laughs> your facebook so just just uh guys just slipped her some some you, digital currency you know what? i realized we forgot small failures Oh, we jumped straight into big failures oh yeah we kind of did, we kind of did do you want to do, do you want to do those now we uh yeah, we did. Yeah, we did kind of forget about that. We yeah. can we can do that now, and then maybe circle back if we have if we have yeah. any kind of. Last... I I love the small failure section. I think I think it just really brings everything together when you insert it into the middle. <laughs> of everything. Yeah. No. No. Why, why? Why not? Because yeah, I think I was just so you know I was just so excited to learn uh, more about Logan's story that I just forgot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because normally we would do as kind of a warm-up, just gotcha. small failures from the week to kind of open up our minds yeah. and get us comfortable talking about glad things. glad that we just that, went that zero to go. 60 without the warm-up. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to go zero to 60 and back to like 20 <laughs> now. we were yeah. like, what is your deepest, darkest fear? And now, yeah. like this 20 is minutes like, later. This is the seventh inning stretch for a nice sports reference. Yeah, okay. And I followed I did, that as like, 100%. Yeah, okay. and, it's, and it's good with these episodes. We're trying, you know, putting things at different parts of the episode and seeing how it works. We're, yeah. we're experimenting. On purpose. It's on, on purpose. purpose. It's early days. It's early days. We're, we're um, experimenting. So what's your what's your small failure, Ben? For, for, for this week? Yes. I was thinking about this today, and I think my failure for this past week would be um, that I ate a Cobb salad at an Irish pub. Wow. I think that that's, I think that qualifies as a failure. <laughs> I, I, I might get what, behind that one. Was it a good salad? I, I mean, it was a Cobb salad at an Irish pub. If you could see his face, it was not a yeah, good salad. I was mean, it expensive? Uh, no, not really. But I know, the thing is, I don't normally... It sounds like eat, a sad salad. I don't normally <laughs> eat salads for meals because they don't usually fill me up. But I had, I had worked out before that, so usually I'm not that hungry right after I work mm-hmm. out. So I was like, oh, I need to eat something. I'll get a salad. But you know, cop salads also not kind of not the most healthy salad anyway. No, no, no. not at all. Um, no, it's just like, it's like eggs, bacon, bacon, and chicken, and, and cheese, and, 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 and cheese. oh, and, and like Thousand Island dressing. Yeah, I was just like taking the Thousand Island out of like the out of like the gravy boat that they oh. gave it to me, and just like just like just like forking it on. Serving you a salad with a gravy boat is like dude, Thousand Island dressing and gravy boat, but <sighs> but yeah. So I was like, oh, that's probably not a smart move, and then. Later that night, um, definitely had an upset stomach. And ironically, living in China, I can't remember the last time that food of any kind gave me, like, a really upset stomach. It doesn't happen that often. But I had to go eat a salad. Not even, like, any sketchy Chinese food. Like, not street food. That's the one that'll get you. Yeah, it's just (laughs) that that salad at an Irish pub. I don't connect to that because I think I probably throw up, like, twice a week from food. Just any food. (laughs) So. The struggle. Not, like, bulimia. (laughs) Just, like, I'll be like, oh, I ate a hamburger. And it was the one hamburger that was, like, going to give you food poisoning. poisoning That's unfortunate. Yeah. It's not my failure this week, though. Okay. But anyways, that was my failure for the week. Eating a Cobb salad at an Irish pub and getting an upset stomach as a result. Oh. Yuck. Okay, so mine mine is kind of embarrassing, but, like, only if one certain person, like, ever listens to this podcast, and I have no idea how she would find it. So, I have recently started, well, this is not a failure, but I've started going to Piloxing classes, which um, the athletes <laughs> in the room are groaning <laughs> at. But, okay, Thank so... Thank you for calling me an athlete. Whatever. <laughs> the people who were, like, 
you would guess maybe played sports, which is not... I was varsity captain of four sports in high school, which just speaks to the low level of sporting events in rural say, Mississippi Ida, chess school. is not a sport. I'm sorry. All right, okay. <laughs> soccer, <laughs> soccer, swimming, track, and cross country. It's legit. No, you were... Um, okay. it, was, yeah. it was real. It Those was are real. legitimate sports. But I, I like, kind of took 10 years off between then and now. Um, <laughs> and so I'm paloxing. And... I'm paloxing because, like, I want to go... Can you just explain exactly what paloxing is? Sorry, you don't think people just know? It is a mixture of Pilates and boxing. (laughs) And this is not my failure, just so we're clear. Normal combination. Um, Yes. (laughs) So you, like, do... It's sort of like circuit training. I'm really bad at being yelled at in an exercise class. Like, I hate it. They'll be like, fucking work harder! And I'm like, I'm going home. Like, I'm going to cry. I need a bucket of ice cream. So I I really (laughs) have been enjoying paloxing. It's like dance mixed with boxing. You wear weighted gloves. Um, but I went to my class this week and I had new yoga pants on, um, like new exercise pants. And I was all excited about them because like, I was like, I look cute and like fit and I do paloxing. If you guys know me, like I'm the least basic person, but I'm the fucking like most basic person. So <laughs> I was there and I realized like six minutes into the warm up that when we were stretching, like, um, this is way too much information for users, but like, I, <laughs> I don't wear underwear under my workout pants because I find that annoying, especially when you're doing like lots of yoga or stretching or whatever. And I realized that these pants were kind of see-through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, and we're in a room that's all mirrors. And so lights. You, and lights. <laughs> so you can't like be like, oh, my pants are kind of see-through. I'll go to the back of the class because then it's just your ass in the mirror and everybody being like, what? You can't hide in those rooms. So <laughs> I just like, I had a moment where five minutes into class, I was like, do I just like leave? Or do I just, like, stay and accept that, like, most people in this class, by the end of class, will definitely have realized that my pants are kind of see-through. And I stuck it out because exercise classes are expensive. <laughs> um, and it was just not worth, like, the, the hundred and, like, hundred quai that I was going to waste if I, if I left. But, yeah. Like, I, I didn't realize it until I was, like, touching my toes and looking at my own ass in the mirror. And I was like, I couldn't see it. Like, this is not good. Um, yeah. So that was, that was my failure. But I stuck it out. Yeah. Good class. Wow. I want to say you probably, a lot of women in the world will probably share a similar situation. I mean, I've seen, like, half the people in that class naked because of the locker room. But there's just, like, that I'm level. I'm saying thin pants. In yeah. The, in the years that the leggings became popular and the yoga pants, yeah. mm-hmm. I call it the bend-over test. When you're trying new pants on, bend over and check to see if they're see-through. And there there's a lot of pants on the market that, that are, are yoga pants, but like that. Yeah. No matter, even if you're wearing underwear, everything is like you bend over and the fabric gets just thin enough. And yeah, mm. and yeah. definitely everyone in that class saw my butt. Okay. Yeah. It's a solid failure. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely. I just. This is why I said that we had to go through the small failure thing. I'm, because, I'm proud of you for sticking it out. Yeah, man. And paloxing as hard as you could. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cop up another failure, Logan. You owe us now. Yeah. And we're doing big ones or small. Um. This is small because I feel like your internal thirty a minute breakdown was this week, but that's like a little too extreme for like what we go for on this segment. It's much more of a Cobb salad type segment. Yeah, yeah, we're looking, we're looking for Cobb salad, <laughs> Cobb salad level failures. See through pants. Yeah, that whole spiel. Um. Well, I was in a regular boxing class. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, this already sounds like a success story. <laughs> All right. Let me let you know that, like, boxing is actually really fun. Okay. And moving on. Regular boxing, which is really cool. Well, so regular boxing, but it was taught by this um, Russian instructor, and it was, a, it was like a circuit training class. So he was just jumping around everywhere, and I'm currently nursing a foot injury, so I can't jump. But he decides that he wants everyone to go from a crunching position, like laying down with your knees up, to standing to rolling forward and then standing up which he did like it was no problem mm. just like was literally down crunched and stood without you can't use your hands to help stand up the fuck um so we're all looking at him and i was like he's crazy so he's like try go 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 and all of us are doing and i felt 
very akin to a beached whale, just attempting. <laughs> I probably got like an inch of my butt off the ground each time, just going over and over, going. Oh, again, mirrors, lights everywhere, getting all your good angles. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. And there were like a couple super fit people in the class standing up, no problem. But I definitely. I just started making whale noises and trying to crack everyone up around me. But yeah, so those, those were our small-ish failures <laughs> for for the week. I don't yes. know. I guess I guess before we uh, we we leave it, I don't know. Do you have any uh, any further information to add to kind of like add a, a little little, little bow, likes, little bow ben to likes tie up? Bows. Ben likes tying it in a bow. Bow, like just to you know tie up your story or kind of where where you see your um, where you see your business kind of going from here and kind of what you think were kind of crucial elements in getting you through some of the uh, the ups and downs that, yeah. you know. Um, well, actually, I wanted to go back one of the, we haven't talked about, but it was more the beginning of how I got to China. Um, sure. Failure, it started with the biggest failure probably was that I accidentally got into my Chinese class, and that's how this entire life trajectory started so I applied for when at UVA when you sign up for classes because it's a big university it's a lottery system mm. um, and when I went to go sign up for classes I was going to take Spanish Italian or sign language because I didn't really I wasn't good at languages I did like Latin in high school and hated it because it's a dead language and I, I hated that my teacher could tell me how to do it yeah, I didn't really like it apart from getting to watch Troy in class. That was the only yeah, highlight. Nice. Um, but so I was, I was like, I'm bad at languages. I want to do something easy. Went to, sign, went to sign in. And with my practice schedule for track and field, I couldn't. I had a limited time when I could take classes. And you have to take a language for two years at UVA. It doesn't matter when, but you have to do it too. And I've been told, do it in your first two years as an athlete because your schedule gets more complicated. Most classes are like every single day at UVA. Mm-hmm. So I go in, and my appointment time was at the end of the day. So most classes have filled up. Mm. Um, there's limited spots. So I went in, and it was uh, Chinese or Urdu. Ooh. Were the only two 101 classes available. And I had no idea as an 18-year-old where they spoke Urdu. And I, I was not about to walk out of that sign-up being like, I signed up for a language. I have no idea where they speak it. Yeah. So I was like, Chinese, China. I know China. I'm going to pick Chinese. And everyone helping sign up classes was like, don't worry. Class spots open up. Just keep checking the website before classes start. And then the first week, you're going to get in sign language. You're going to get in Spanish. No worries. I was like, all right, because I really don't want to take – like, I had no connection to China or Chinese or any desire. Um, and then – never ended up being able to switch out because everyone at UVA wants to take Spanish, Italian, or sign language. So Hmm. I had to buckle down and get through my first semester and then um, got through my second semester all very much hating Chinese and decided to study abroad counterintuitively in Shanghai because you can get a year in eight weeks. Um, So I got on the plane to fly to China with the saying that I would just stick it out for eight weeks and I went back to America. I was going to speak fluent American and never speak another language ever again because it was the worst um mm. and i had been made fun of by my my friends my family my coaches had inside jokes about how it was so funny that i was taking chinese and um then when i got here after a couple of weeks in shanghai i fell in love with uh being abroad and being able to speak I, my example is i was like i asked for soup and i got a bowl of soup it was very exciting mm-hmm. uh, yeah. after you know not having traveled i'd never left the u.s before i'd gone to like canada which i don't really count but um mm-hmm. hadn't been to somewhere as drastic and then that kind of sparked my interest in continuing to study chinese and then possibly move to china so it was a big failure on my part of not getting what i'd 18 year old me wanted yeah um, which was going to be to not speak another language have no idea that i was going to be moving abroad or any intention to try to do that. So um, that was something that I grappled with with my peers in Chinese 101 and 102 for people who had all these big reasons of their parents were a diplomat or they wanted to go to the military and they were encouraging people in our military program to speak Chinese or um, mm-hmm. Urdu. So that was kind of yeah. how, sorry, that's I went backwards versus forwards, but that was okay, kind of how it all, whole, it all started out. Backwards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. This is all about jumping time. Yeah. That's, that's been what this right. whole episode has been. But that, yeah, so you really, uh, it really was by accident. And you kind of had people all, you know, all steps of the way kind of not really believing what you were doing and kind of doubting. Yeah. You know, doubting it at each point. Like, you, really? You're learning Chinese? Yeah. That You're studying abroad? Really? That's going to yeah. happen? Then it kind of. You said you you were like oh I'll just do eight weeks and then I'll go back and then you're like I'll just do a year and I'll go back and now you're you're here for three years and 
yeah, for the to, foreseeable future. Yeah, to kind of tie it, I guess, if you're looking for that bow, he then is. He always that is. kind of learning that things don't always go as planned very early on, or the fact that, I know your show is all about failure and what you learn from it, but that it's okay to fail at doing something because sometimes it was for the best and another opportunity comes through um, has been something that I've definitely been applying to this new business and my passion for it, but also understanding that, you know, there's also always other opportunities out there should it go down a big ball of flames and there's also opportunities out there if it's super successful. Um, But I changed my mind, so you never know. That's kind of, it's definitely made me less type A. That was my control freak. I've never become less type A. Makes me out outwardly. I'm less type A. <laughs> and that and that that new business is called the Logan Strategy. It's group. called Logan Strategy Group. LSG. LSG. If you're looking to come to China, yeah. If you need any marketing consulting services, or if you're trying to come to China and doing like a tour and want someone who can help write about it or help you just problem solve, because China's all about. Problem. problem solving here. Yeah. Thought um, you were gonna say China's all about problems. Yeah, <laughs> lots of problems. There's a lot of China problems here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I say China just makes people uncomfortable, and I'm here to make it more comfortable for you. All right. Well, sounds like a lot of people could could use those services. So okay. yeah. Thanks. Thanks yeah. so much. This was really this was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. You. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. No problem. This has been the failure show. Am I allowed to say that? Sometimes? Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> until until next time. Yeah.